0: That might help. (laughs) Thank you, sister. We're going to be talking about all lives matter. And I'm going to kind of lay a foundation, and I'm going to be talking about different things during the course of this study. Uh, We're going to be talking about the culture of death that has developed in this nation. It began in 1973 when uh, Roe v. Wade was passed and abortion was legalized. When they did that, people tried to say, if you begin abortion... It won't be long we'll be doing euthanasia, infanticide, all of these things, assisted suicide. Oh, no, 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 no. But see, that opened the door. And if you want to really know the truth of the matter, why there's so much murder and shooting, I mean... Every night, every day in Nashville now. It wasn't like that when I was a kid. It wasn't like that. People don't have a respect for life. And the reason why that there's not a respect for life, some folks will kill you for 50 cents. It's because we have developed a culture of death in this nation. <coughs> and uh, I want to welcome those that's watching by means of the Internet. And uh, now that we are on the Internet, I'll make this, make this statement. Um, I don't know, it may be more by now, but my last count is that 15 times in the House of Representatives the last count I got, 15 times, it was brought up to protect a baby if it was born alive, even if it was they, they were trying to abort it, if it was meant to be aborted, and that baby uh, survives that some kind of way and born alive 15 different times there's been bills brought up to give assistance to that suffering child and not leave it laying on a cold tabletop in a dark room uh, uh, to die. And the 15 times the Democratic Party has blocked it. I don't know if you think that's right or not, but I don't. I don't know if you think that's Christian or not, but I don't. And it's all a part of a uh, culture of death that we have in this nation. And I'm going to be talking about various various, uh, one, each of these things as we go along. I'm sure that you have heard the statement, Black Lives Matter. I guess that was about the first when there seemed to be a lot of young black men uh, shot down, uh, apparently, uh, some of them uh, apparently for no reason. Uh... In fact, a movement began with the title, and then there came Blue Lives Matter, which referring to police officers. Um, and we have heard a lot about that. And since then there's been different things come up in relation to these. But the fact of the matter is, all lives. Matter, Amen. All lives matter. They matter to God, and they should matter to you and I. Whether it's an unborn baby in its mother's womb, or a handicapped person with special needs, or the frail and elderly in the winter season of their lives, all lives matter. Matter. Just plain and simple, people matter. Because people are souls. That's why all lives matter. It's because lives are souls. Amen. Created in the image of God. So all lives matter to God and they should be honored and respected. You. You can't hold it against a a kid that goes out here and gunned down somebody if they hadn't been taught respect for human life. I was raised up in Metro Nashville schools, and I can remember across the blackboard in my second grade class, they had the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Challenge some of our young people today and ask them, do they know what the golden rule is? Golden what? See, we, oh, we can't teach that because that's religious. So what have you been teaching your young people? What kind of generation have we brought up? We need to be proclaiming and declaring that all lives matter. No matter what color, what language they speak, no matter what their social status is or their lifestyle. Now, there's some lifestyles that people live that I don't go along with. And I believe it's wrong according to the Bible. But that don't mean it gives me a right to disrespect them and not care for them. All lives matter. And I'm going to be dry. Some of this may get to be repetitions, but I can't help it. I got this subject burning in my spirit tonight. And I think it's something that the church needs to address a whole lot better than what it's been doing. I'm not talking just about our congregation, but the church in general. Matter of fact, a lot, a lot of us and, and a lot of churches have got spiritual cobwebs on us and we're, we're, we're dead and don't have the Spirit of God because we go to the house of God and we just get repeated over and over and over some kind of lesson that's 2,000 years old. And a lot of the churches are not dealing with things that is relevant to what's going on right now. Now, I'm not against against Brother Kyle preaching something in the Word of God 2,000 years old, but we need to learn how to relate that to our time. How does this message fit with where I'm at right now? That's where we're failing. That's where we're failing. One of the biggest hindrances to growth in any church is the general lack of compassion for other people. If you don't love people, you're not going to attract people. Now you ask yourself, are you going to stay very long around somebody you don't feel who loves you? Or cares about you? Or just simply respects you as another human being? Uh, there's got to be, and this was, uh, last Sunday's lesson was powerful. All the church from the, from the Bible class teaching all the way through <clears throat> about compassion and love. Um, and God was trying to tell us something definitely then. And we've got to have compassion. I remember there was there was a story uh, in, in one of the Gospels where Jesus looked at the great multitude of people. And we see this picture up here on the screen, all these different people, different colors and different backgrounds. Jesus looked out over the crowd, and the Bible said, He had compassion on them and loved them. If we can't look at the people and have compassion on them and love them, no matter what color they are, what language they speak, what their social status is, then we need to stop what we're doing and go to the altar and pray through till we can feel love and compassion. For everybody. Because, like Ronnie preached Sunday, if you don't, you're just making a lot of noise. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I was glad when he got off that cymbal over there, I'm going to tell you. That was annoying. And, and you know, I wonder how many times, Brother Douglas, that we become annoying to God when we we get down here doing our own thing and doing the Holy Ghost two-step and shouting and talking in tongues, but we don't have compassion for everybody. That might be a little annoying with God. So that's one of the biggest hindrances to church growth. It's a lack of compassion for other people. We easily find reason, now, now listen to me close. Now, I, I'm reading here from a little introduction that I have got to this lesson. We easily find reason to dismiss someone from being someone we would introduce Jesus uh, to due to how they look or what our impression of them is. Uh-oh. Think about that. I said we easily find reason to dismiss somebody. Well, I'm not going to take the time to fool them. I'm not going to waste my time witnessing to them. Try to introduce them to Jesus because look how they look. Man, they just don't impress me. I wonder how much I impress God sometimes. I mean, let's stop and think about it. You know, I, I, will, I, I will admit, you know, some of these people that's covered from head to toe in tattoos and got all this piercing all over them, it's kind of a turnoff to me. But I cannot let that, because that affects me that way, not show compassion to them and be willing to, to lead them to the Lord if they have an interest in to come into the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God didn't look at me how how I was, but how I could be. Come on. Hallelujah. And He still don't look at me how I am, but He look at me what I'm gonna be. Matter of fact, do you know the there's a verse in the Bible that says, Judge nothing? Judge nothing before it's time. I believe that's in Proverbs, it might be somewhere, I believe it's in Proverbs. And then it said, everything is beautiful, everything was beautiful in this time or something. Um, I wish I'd have thought about that earlier and, and, and looked that up. But um, sometimes we don't have the proper compassion over somebody because they just don't suit us, the way they look, the way they talk, or the way they act. But we got to always remember, and if we want to grow a church, that all lives matter to God. Amen. All lives matter to God. This series will help us to understand the urgent need to love people and to embrace them regardless of where they are at in their life. We got to learn to love somebody and to embrace them no matter where they are in life at that time. Because the God I, I serve is still able to change somebody. I said, he's still, there's still power in the blood. Did anybody believe that? There's still power in the blood to change. Without this, people will remain lost. And the kingdom of God would not advance and fulfill the mission entrusted to us. God has given us a mission. We all got a mandate. And if we don't have compassion for the lost, we're not going to meet that mandate. We're not going to fulfill that mission. We've got to be able to do it. So, that brings us to the first section of the lesson, and I'm moving slow, but I'm I'm, I'm not going to rush this. I want I want us to begin to learn how we need to do and how we need to react. How can we have <coughs> compassion on everybody, no matter what they look like, where they're at? and what stage of the life that they're in when you meet them, there's something that we got to never forget. All lives matter because all lives have value. You've got to get that in the forefront of your mind if you want to begin to have the compassion and love that you need to have to reach out to this lost world. All lives matter because all lives have value. Hallelujah. All lives are soul, and because they are eternal soul, they got value. God holds them in Value. Now, I want to read the scripture found in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, for those of you watching at home, chapter 10, verses 29 through 31, Jesus said, this is the words of Jesus, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's. Wheel, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered now, for God, with some people, it's easier than others <laughs> I didn't call no names, <laughs> but God loves us so much that he 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 knows. How many hairs we got? Hallelujah. He said, do not fear, therefore. You are more valued than many sparrows. Hallelujah. God's concern for the small birds. But he said, and you're more valued than many. For, now, here we go. Verse, uh, well, just let me let me go back. I don't want to. I don't want I want to read that right now. There's one thing Christ realized that we sometimes miss seeing: is that all lives have value. They have value to God. Lives have value because every life represents an eternal soul. When a soul is created, that soul will never die. Now, this body of mine will die. It will go back to the dust of the ground where it come. But the soul of man is eternal. God created it eternal. And that soul is going to live forever somewhere. And last time I checked, there's only two options. So because a soul will not not die, it will continue to exist when the body's gone. It's got value. It's got value. Sometimes we become so appalled by what we see outwardly Or observe in people's present action. We fail to see the true value in that person. I'm going to tell you, I've been guilty. I've been guilty. Sometimes you can see things so appalling. I guess to me, one one of the most appalling things, amen, is how, how... a grown man that molests a little child. That irbs me about as much as anything will. I mean, if, <laughs> that's... Um, but all lies have got value. And sometimes, though, we become so appalled by what we see outwardly or observe in people's present actions that we fail to see the true value of that person. I was hearing a man preach one time about somebody at a funeral. And uh, he said, everybody's got some some good about them. Everybody, if you just stop and think... They got something good about them, something good. And one other guy just sitting over there, just and looking down at the casket. Nothing. Well, he was a good whistler. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, but uh, everybody's got value. Each human life, no matter how rude or how crude. Each human life, no matter how rude or how crude, has value to God. Even if we can't look at Him and see nothing worth a penny, to God they're worth something. Because Christ can see beyond the rough exterior to the eternal soul deep inside. And every... Life is a soul. Now let me go back to Matthew 16, 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? All the stuff that the world has to offer out there, how much of it, or what of it is, do you think is a good exchange for your eternal soul? Is that, is that bottle that you love so much to hang on to to guzzle down? Or the drugs that you're shooting up? Or that other man's wife that, she, uh, that you're running around with? Is, that, is all of that, any of that worth your soul? What a man is profit if he gained the whole world. I don't care how much money they have in this world or what kind of empire they build. We all come into this world the same way and we're all going to go out the same way. Hallelujah. Um, I was talking with the funeral director where I preached my nephew's funeral. And we was at the cemetery, we were talking and um, um, and talking about the different funerals and he was talking about he'd been by with. And I said, well, I've been in... Uh, I've been involved in quite a few myself considering 50, 50 years in the ministry. I have, I have done this many times. I don't know exactly how many times, many times. And, you know, when they line up, if you, if you ever notice, for a funeral procession, they, the, they, have, they have the hearse, and then the minister drives right behind the hearse then the immediate, immediate family. And they want the minister right behind the hearse because when you get to the cemetery, the minister leads the uh, the, the casket up to where uh, they're going to be placed. And uh, so I have followed behind a few hearses in my day, black ones, white ones, Lincolns, Cadillacs, different shapes, different kinds, but I have yet to follow a hearse that was put on a U-Haul trailer. (laughs) Hallelujah. One split second after your heart beats its last time, no matter what you've accumulated, it don't mean nothing to you. It's left behind for somebody else to fuss, feud, and fight over. So, what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Now, this verse, and I'm 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 going to quit right here. I'm not going to go no farther for the night. But this verse, Matthew 16 and 26. This verse tells me that the whole world put together can't value to the worth of your soul. Hallelujah. Everything in this world all of it together can't value up to the worth of one soul. Let that sink in. Your soul must have some value to God, praise the Lord. But for the body of Christ, and I'm talking about Christians, I'm talking about real Christians now, to reach lost souls and to bring them to the cross, we must first see that value. For the body of Christ, for us to reach the lost, for us to be... uh, For us to be of value ourselves and to do what we have been placed to to do, to bring people to the cross of Christ, we got to first see the value in that person, just like God does. Just like God does. We got to be able to see that value. So tonight, as I wind this down for this evening, talking about all lives matter. I remember when I was still at home, my dad had a mission church in a really rough part of town and all kind of, there was there was nothing but prostitutes and bootleggers in that area of South Nashville where he was. I apologize if I may seem rude, but I want to make a point here. There was a lady who lived right across the street from that little church, that mission church my dad was preaching, that pastor. And she run with everything that would run with her for whatever nickel or dime she could get. So much so that for years people nicknamed her in the neighborhood. And this is what I was talking about. I don't mean to be rude. But people in the neighborhood nicknamed her Doggy. That was her nickname. When she she walked into my dad's church one night on a Sunday night, and the, and the odor and the stench was repulsive to everybody. Don't know how long it had been since she'd had a bath. She sat in church service with everybody else moving <laughs> different ways. And when the altar call was given after my daddy preached, she came to the altar. And I noticed something that Sunday night about my dad. Nobody would kneel down and pray with her. And it was simply because of the older. Except my father. He knelt down beside and he began to pray. Some people say, what? What'd you, can you pray and hold your nose at the same time? I don't know what he was doing. But I know one thing. For him to even take the time for that one, he had he had to be able to look past the bad smell and see some value. The same value that Jesus valued enough that he died on the cross of Calvary for. So tonight, I hope by the end of our study that we're going to learn and realize that all lives matter and all lives have value. Let's stand together.